Well, you guys did it. This is officially my favorite place to be in the world. Man, it's nothing like coming in this auditorium, sanctuary, whatever you want to call it, and worshiping together with you guys. It's been a blast. And today is our last message in our four-part series, Remember. We've covered so much in a short time, and if you've missed any of those messages, I encourage you to go back. We have an amazing app, or you can go online and listen to it. You can download it, uh, that app from the iTunes Store, the Android. If you've got a flip phone, flip, flip phone, <laughs> flip phone, you can try and download it. Uh, it won't work, but um, <laughs> go back and listen to those messages. It's an awesome way uh, to still be a part, even when you can't be here in town. There's also calendar, ways to give, all that kind of stuff. But so far, we've established that every follower of Christ must be a member of a local church. They must be functioning, they must be unifying, and they must lead their families to be healthy church members. See, church membership is a gift. The church started with Jesus, and this thing that we have the Church is a gift that came when Jesus came. See, the Old Testament, the followers of God had a very different experience than we have today. See, they actually had a long-distance relationship with God. They had to go to a temple and through a priest to have their sins forgiven through a symbolic sacrifice. They could not go in to the presence of God. They could not go into where God dwelled. Andy Stanley says this. He tells us the Old Testament model, in order to have a relationship with God, you had to do this. You had to go to a sacred place and hear a sacred text interpreted by sacred men. That was the only way that you could have a relationship with God, by going to a place and having a certain man interpret the Bible for you. But see, now, through Jesus Christ, we have complete access to God. Isn't that an amazing thing? We can go into the presence of God. We don't have to go to a sacred place to talk to God. In fact, archaeologists tell us that there was not even a church building that Christians owned until the year 240, 200 years after the death of Christ. See, when the Bible in the New Testament talks about the church, it's talking about us, you and me. We are the church. This building is just the building that we meet in. But this thing that we have together, this community that we have together is special. It's important and it has value. We are the church. My father-in-law says it this way. Steve Proctor, he says, in the world, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And the believer, God is personally present. But in the church is where God's people pray and worship corporately and God is dynamically present. There's a type of God's presence that is only available in the church, not on a lake, not on a golf course, not at home, only in the church. And if you're here and you're a Christian today and you have not felt that presence, you need to check what's going on because God has moved here this morning already. When the early church met in Acts 4.3, it says this, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with 
boldness. See, although this building is not sacred, this community of believers that we have is special. There's something different when we, the church, comes together. It's kind of funny when people say things like, oh, you can't lie in here. This is the church building. Don't you know that? This is the church. You can't do that. But what are you, superstitious? Right? You might say, well, I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> but there's, there's no biblical brownie points that we have for having the nicest church building. No, what is important is us and our relationship and how we're unified and how focused we are on the mission of spreading the gospel and letting the name of Jesus be exalted over everything we say and we do. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And praise the Lord, God doesn't judge this temple by our appearance, right? We all be in trouble a little bit. But no, he doesn't judge us, the temple, by our appearance. Instead, he judges us by our sincerity and by our motives. Why are you here? Are you sincere in your faith? Are you trying to get something from God or you're here simply because you love God? See, it's no longer about a holy, a holy place, but rather a holy relationship with Jesus Christ and this Christian community that we share. We don't have to go to a sacred place to have a relationship with God. We don't have to go through a sacred man anymore. Amen? Hebrews uh, 10, 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that we have, that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. We now have confidence to go into those holy places. Uh, Hebrews 4, 16, a few chapters before says it this way. It says, let us then with confidence. Another word is used there as well, which is boldness. Let us with boldness go to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. See, when Christ died, literally the wall in the temple that separated us normal people from the holies of holies or the presence of God, that wall came down and now we can go in and be in the presence of God. We can go boldly to God. And I look, I, I, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you, but you don't have to go through me. You can go boldly to the throne of God. Hey, I, I'd love to be able to help you in any way I can, but you don't have to ask me what God's will for your life is. Praise the Lord, because I'll lead you astray. I'll send you the wrong way. I'll tell you to buy that million-dollar house when you don't have any money. Who knows what I'll do, but you can go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you can ask him personally. And if you're not excited about that, man, because you don't want to go through a man anymore. You get to go through Christ. Amen. I'm getting pumped up about it anyway. <laughs> we can boldly go to God. See, that's part of the gift that Jesus Christ gave us on the cross. See, it's not just eternal life, but it's a personal relationship in the here and the now. A lot of times when we, talked about, when we talk about getting saved, we talk about in the next life. But there's so many gifts in this life that are so important. See, when we receive the gift of salvation, we become the body of Christ. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, and right here, it's talking right before uh, where he talks about spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are our talents and abilities that we can use for the furthering of the gospel in our local church. And by the way, a little commercial, we're going to be handing out a spiritual gift text next week. So right before Paul talks about these spiritual gifts, he says this. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. See, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you become part of this body. And that gift that he gave us, it was free, but it has many parts. It includes that eternal salvation, but it also includes the forgiveness of sins. So you don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore. It includes adoption by the God, the Father. And that's important for many of us. Some of us didn't have great earthly families, but now you're part of a bigger family and part of a relationship with God that that father will never let you down. We also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We also become part, a member in the body of Christ. That's right. Membership is a gift. And it's not a legalistic obligation. It's not country club perks. It's not a license for entitlement. It is a gift from God that should be treasured and enjoyed. Now, this gift includes membership into the universal church, which is to say all believers and how we are all pushing towards furthering the kingdom of God. But God also intends for you to be part of a local church as well. Why? Because God's plan to move today is through the local church. We are the hands and the feet. We are the boots on the ground. We are the plan to reach this world. The book of Acts tells us about uh, local churches in over 19 major cities. Nine of the New Testament books were written to the local church. Another four books were written to people in the context of the local church. And even the book of Revelation has uh, letters to seven churches. What am I trying to say there is the New Testament is all about the church. God uh, envisioned as you become a person that... Uh, is redeemed and saved that you would be part of a local church. God used the local church then, and God's plan is to use the local church today. Church membership is a gift that means something. It's valuable. It's worth something. And just like every, just about every other thing, it, it requires something of us. There are some requirements for church membership. A church member must be saved. Have a relationship with Christ. you got to be able to go back to a time and a place where you called out to God, say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I put my full faith and trust in only what you did on the cross. No amount of my works, but what you did on the cross was enough. Please forgive me. you got to go back to a time. The words aren't important. you got to go back to a time and a place where you surrendered to God completely. I'm not going to try to get to heaven anymore. I'm relying only on what you did on the cross. You've got to be redeemed, a follower of Christ, saved. The church member also must be baptized after salvation. Now, baptism is simply just like this wedding ring. This wedding ring, if I put this on my finger, doesn't mean anything without the marriage. Salvation is the marriage, and this is an outward expression of what happened in our relate my 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 what's my wife's name? Tori. 
an outward expression of my relationship with Tori. This is just a symbol. And up here in this baptismal, that's a symbol. That doesn't save you. It's letting everybody know that you are a follower of Christ. And right now in this day and age, we are blessed. We do not live in persecution. But there was a time and a place where if you did that, you got murdered. You got persecuted. And that cost something. And that's what it is. And yeah, I'm not a big person about getting in front of people. Hey, this costs us very little compared to what it cost our church fathers. You got to be saved. You must be baptized. An outward expression of identifying with Christ is the first step of obedience. Now, membership not only has requirements, it also has responsibilities. And if those responsibilities are not met, the Bible tells us to begin a process of something called church discipline. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> One of those reasons that we uh, church discipline might start is forsaking the church. That's grounds for discipline as outlined by the bylaws of this church. Prolonged non-attendance and non-contribution to the, to the finances. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews 10, 24. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Another version would say, not forsaking the assembly. Hey, you need to get to a place and a time where you realize that you're not here just for you. See, when you aren't here, people notice. And it does not strengthen our faith when you're not here. It weakens our faith. But when we all meet together and we all come together as a church, we can stir up one another to love and to good works. And we can encourage one another. See, when you're here, you're here for all of us. It means something. If you're going to stay on fire for God, it's important to stay close to the blaze. And the more of us that are here that are on fire, the bigger that blaze is going to be. There was once an old church member who ceased to come to church, and he was one of those guys that was easily offended. You know the type. You could probably look to somebody that's like that in here. But he's a, one of those guys that was easily offended. And he, he told everybody, I don't need to come to church. I can worship God at home just like any other place. Well, the pastor, knowing that he was someone that was a little bit sensitive, began to pray about it. How do I come about this? How do I begin to address this subject? And he prayed about it. And he prayed about it. One winter's eve, he knocked on that man's door. And he walked in. And they sat in front of a fireplace with a fire going there. No one said a word. The man knew what was coming. The pastor knew what was coming. Neither one of them wanted to break the ice on this uncomfortable situation. But they just sat there in silence for a while. They watched that fire. After a few minutes, the pastor got up and he took a small log from the middle of that fire and he placed it to the side. And they watched it and they sat down and they uncomfortably in this silence, they watched this small log. And soon after a few minutes, that log was black and cold. The pastor got up and he placed it back in the middle of the fire. And before just a few moments, that fire was red hot and it was blazing again. The pastor didn't say anything. 
He began to make his way towards the door. And that old man said, thank you for the sermon, Pastor. I'll be there Sunday. Hey, this is special. What we have here means something. You are not made to function as a Lone Ranger Christian. We are made to live in community and to encourage one another and to come alongside one another. We cannot forsake the church. We cannot forsake each other. Our bylaws also state that a church member needs to be, uh, abide by the teachings of the Bible and not to take part in immoral or unchristlike conduct without repentance. See, we're a body, and what I do affects you, and what you do affects me. And if a church member is living in unrepentant sin, it hurts the whole body. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a man by the name Achan. And Achan stole some things that he wasn't supposed to steal from God. He buried those things in his tent, and the whole nation of Israel was judged because of that one man's sin. And just like that, what we do affects each other. Now, the question is not whether you have sinned, because none of us could be church member if that was the question. The question is whether or not you are sinning, whether you're living in unrepentant sin, refusing to get right, rejecting the forgiveness and the grace that God has for you, which makes no sense to me. Why would you ever do that? See, the Bible tells us the end of sin is death. And see, God didn't just make all these hoops for us to jump through. These are all things that already hurt us. And God says, don't do that. That will hurt you. And we need to realize that and remember that. And because of that, accept that it's God's way is the best way. And if I'm living in sin, I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to come to him for forgiveness. But if someone would live in that unrepentant state, refusing to get right, the Bible calls us to start a process of church discipline. <coughs> it's really quiet in here. Is, is church discipline an uncomfortable subject to talk about? Right? Yeah? There was once a uh, Sunday school teacher that asked her students, why is it important for us to be quiet in church? Anna raised her hand and said, because people are sleeping. <laughs> But here, church membership means something. It's a gift, and we must treasure it. Right after the service, we have a new member lunch. And we'll go through those doors right there, and there's going to be a meal, and we're going to share with you some core principles of Clarksburg Baptist Church. We're going to give you an opportunity to ask questions. The perfect time for you in a group setting to say, hey, do you believe this? Do you believe that? And I might not have all the answers, but I'll get them for you. It's an opportunity for you to become a part of this church, to get more connected, to get more involved. Aren't you glad that we now have direct access to God? So you don't have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. You don't have to pray in a certain direction as if God had bad reception. You can laugh at that. Come on. It's pretty funny. You don't have to have a long-distance uh, relationship with God. Why? Because our God dwells within us. You can go boldly to him. So stop cowering and stop hiding because he sees it anyway. Be honest. Be real. God wants you to come and talk to him. Amen. If you're a parent, you've known those times where you knew your kids did something and they didn't really know that you did, that they knew. You know what I'm saying. 
Anyway. And you knew it, and, but they didn't come to you. You knew it was a problem that they were having, and you knew it would potentially hurt them, and you knew it would be something that could uh, take them down a wrong path, but they didn't come to you. And if you've been a parent for very long, you know that that's kind of painful. You want to help, and you want to step in, and eventually you most likely did step in. But that's what God wants for us. He wants us to come to him. He is the answer to every single one of your problems. He has them. And he wants you to come. Don't allow guilt to keep you from God. See, many people think I can't go to God because I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough to get to God. Only through Jesus Christ can we have access to God. Amen. And if that's you today, hey, I encourage you to stop believing that lie about God that he is holding grudges against you and that he uh, wants you to be stand in the corner for a little while and come back and talk to me when you've repented. That's not how the system works. He says, come to me, all those that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Talk about a good God. Thank God for the cross and how it changed everything. See, when this church is functioning correctly, it'll be a place where people support you and care for you and pray for you and encourage you. It's a beautiful thing when a church functions the way it's supposed to. Thank God for this gift that we call the church, this community of people that have one main thing in common, that we are all following Christ. Let's stand on our feet and bow our heads. As the worship team comes, every head's bowed, eyes closed. <clears throat> this, this last part that we've been doing for the last five weeks, this is a, a, a moment of action. This is a time of reflection. Because we don't believe that we just come to church to hear a message and leave the same way. We believe that God should change us in some way every single Sunday. So we're taking this time, this few moments, this time of reflection to ask God what we should do with the information that we've just been challenged with. Maybe this morning you just want to take some time to thank God for the access that you have to him or for the church and what it has meant to you. Or maybe you want to be bold and courageous because you know someone in this room that is hurting or needs encouraged. Maybe you want to step out, go to them, and come pray with them this morning. The altar's open for any reason at all today. As they sing, you come now.